Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode we have Netflix 129th film. It's the 2018 post-apocalyptic horror thriller Bird Box. It's directed by Suzanne Beer. It stars Sandra Bullock, Travante Rhodes, John Malkovich, Danielle McDonald, and Sarah Paulson. I am your host, Jesse, and I am back here with another big, big Netflix film. This this film has heaps to, to have a bit of a chat about because uh, Bird Box is, is known as one of the most watched films in Netflix history. And this discussion today is going to spoil this film. So if you haven't seen Bird Box, if you're one of those few people out there who hasn't seen it, please do uh, give us a pause now because uh, we're going to head into some spoiler territory very, very shortly where the film Bird Box is going to be um, given away. So we start our show off with our fast flicks where we do a quick summary of the film. And for me, this one is an unseen evil taking over the world and this causes death and destruction at the sight of it. Blindfolds are a must. And if you've seen this film, I'm hoping that uh, makes a little bit of sense to you. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the the film and, and the use of blindfolds in this film as well, um, especially Sandra Bullock's um, character. So the film history for this one, some info that we can take away from this one that we can learn. So this movie, it, it is based on a novel from 2014, um, same title, Bird Box, written by uh, Josh Mellerman. Um, he's written a sequel as well, um, and it's called Mallory, which is the, the main protagonist's name, um, and it's set 12 years after the events of this film. So haven't read the book. I know that Netflix have announced that a sequel is in development. I'm not sure whether that sequel is going to uh, take on the, the the sequel of the book or whether it's going to follow characters in a different way. But there is there is some um, extra stories on these characters if you're interested. Um, this was filmed in 2017 from September to November. Um, and I guess, uh, yeah, it's one of those bigger sort of budget ones, especially with some of the cast that we'll talk about. And, and you can see in this one, the... Things I do like to look at is the titles of this film in other countries. So in Argentina, this one was called Bird Box Blindly. In the Czech Republic, it's called In the Mouth. In Germany, Bird Box Close Your Eyes. In Greece, With Eyes Closed. In Hungary, it was called Birds in the Box. In Slovakia, it was called simply Don't Open Your Eyes. Um, In Spain, it was called Blindly. And Taiwan, it was called Blindfolded You. Now, um, Trent... Right, uh, sorry, Trent Reznor, um, he said that, and he did the score for this film, and he told Variety in an interview that he felt scoring this movie was a complete and utter waste of time because they mixed the music so low that you couldn't hear it anyway. And this is just one of the little controversies, I guess, with this film because there was a, a section where there's some uh, news footage in the background that characters are looking at, and this actually used some uh, real disaster footage and some of the families of the people that were injured in that disaster were quite offended. So Netflix have since then um, edited that footage out and changed that footage as well. I think um, Sandra Bullock said that she was blindfolded for about 50% of this shooting schedule. So a lot of uh, bumps, a lot of trips, a lot of falling over, um, obviously testing her acting skills, being able to to act um, without the vision um, of her eyes. The Netflix, um, and I mentioned this at the start, in July 2020, they revealed that this film had been watched by 89 million households over the first four weeks of its release. And this was the second most ever for one of their original films. And I think since then, um, and I was listening to a, an interview with the Netflix CEO the other day, I think he mentioned that this is their biggest film ever. So um, so we're, we're talking about a film that means quite a lot to Netflix and their ability to get eyes on the screen 
The, the other thing, I guess, about these blindfold situations is that this film did spark this sort of social media um, trend where people were trying to travel a distance while being blindfolded, um, both indoors and outdoors. And these videos started appearing on social media and people were bumping into objects and hurting themselves. And Netflix even released a statement to discourage viewers from doing this bird box challenge, as it was known. And I think there were even police... Um, forces around the world that had to step in and, and there were people doing it driving like wearing a blindfold while driving and and you know just to think that people actually thought that that was a, a funny thing to do or a good idea sort of surprises me a little bit some consensus time this one um rotten tomatoes the critics 162 reviews it's fresh sits at 64 percent so on the lower end of fresh it's not certified um, the audience has had it a bit lower at 57%, and that's on over 5,000 um, ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. But these, these are the big numbers now we're going to talk about. IMDb has a 6.6 out of 10 on 283,500 reviews, and Letterboxd sits at a 2.9, but also on 233,300 reviews. Now, these numbers are huge, 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 huge. Similar to what we saw with Roma last week, these numbers are... Um, they really speak that a lot of people have seen this film and gone out of their way to give this one a rating. Some facts about the box office, I guess. So this um, this did play in a few cinemas. Um, it played at the AFI Fest in November 2018. Um, it played or went online in Turkey on the 21st of November. Um, had a qualifying run for the Oscars in the USA um, early December 2018 before hitting Netflix worldwide on the 21st of December 2018. It's filmed across America, um, mainly California, a few, a few scenes in Texas as well. It was nominated for nine um, awards and five wins, so 14 altogether. Um, and some of these, these awards, I guess, are, sort of tell you the types of awards that it was up for. It won the MTV Movie Award for Sandra Bullock with the most frightened performance, and it also won the Best Music at the Golden Trailer Award. So not necessarily awards that people will be, um, you know, calling home about. Netflix percentage matches. I, I actually had a 55% match for this one, which um, a little bit on the lower end of things. So hopefully, uh, that won't give away too much about my early thoughts, which I will lead into now. But I agree with uh, what Netflix predicted for me on this one. This was, uh, it didn't do too much for me at all. I'm not too sure what it was trying to do there. There weren't any jump scares. There weren't any massive payoffs at the end. I mean, it's a serviceable film, but that's about it. Um, I can't really say too much about it, but I will have a nice discussion about this and I'm hoping that you're, you're following along and listening with me because We'll talk about some characters. Um, so we start off with Sandra Bullock's character, Mallory. Um, she's a painter, focuses on people's um, inability to connect in her work, you know, paintings and, and her artistic sort of talents, I guess. And and it's clear early on that she's lonely and, and these paintings that she does, she's got this lonely bunch of people sitting together, possibly a reflection of her um, because she has no connection with her mother. She's not necessarily excited for the upcoming birth of her child. The only relationship that we see that she's able, to, and you know, the the father of her child's not around. The only relationship that she's able to to keep going is that with her sister. Um, and I guess we can talk briefly about her sister here, who was played um, by Sarah Paulson. Uh, if spoiler alert, obviously you expect to see her, um, Sarah Paulson, as a character in, in the film for quite quite a bit. She looks after her sister from what we can gather, but unfortunately um, isn't there to stick around too long, um, this character of Jessica. But the other sort of character that I guess um, Mallory was able to connect with was that of um, Tom. Um, and I really would have enjoyed some more from this character, I guess, some more development. Um, but what we got was, was fairly good. I really enjoyed his little story of, or his anecdote about, 
being in Iraq and, you know, protecting this father who was walking his kids to school. And then, you know, he decided he'd follow him every day to make sure he was safe. And then, you know, when he left, the, this father gave him his necklace as like a, a thank you. And that was just a nice little story um, that tied in well. Um, the other people I guess we'll talk about are, are the people that were trapped in that house. Those those stereotypical types of characters that you see in a, in a sort of a thriller, sort of slasher, horror sort of film, I guess where um, you're going to have these these people that you see um, in this house. The first one I'll talk about briefly is Douglas, who was played by John Malkovich. Um, this stereotypical gun-waving lunatic, loves the booze. Um, there's this mention of him working in bankruptcy law, which is possibly a dig at him as a person, like sort of saying maybe this isn't the real sort of law that, that people look up to um he's an asshole he talks about he's having he's had three wives all those sorts of things this this guy's a, a pretty ordinary character very few redeeming qualities in him um charlie played by little ral howry um he he was the only sort of character who gives the audience some understanding of what's going on in the outside world um he's an author who researches a lot so he's got this sort of you know, he dumps this um these plot points about this end game that he talks about where um you know these these supernatural creatures might be taking on your worst fears um and talking about sort of making sense but um the concluding sense was you know i i i, I, I it did make sense but it didn't make sense to me if this was and this is probably for later on a little bit further on i was a little bit confused with what was on the outside what was this supernatural sort of creature because at the end of the film we see that the boy uh doesn't fear Mallory's voice and Mallory doesn't fear Tom's voice. She doesn't also, she doesn't, she doesn't fear them as people. So this idea about your fears coming after you sort of didn't work in this setup early on from Charlie. So yeah, a little bit confusing, but I guess we can talk about that later. The only other character I'll touch on briefly is Olympia, um, who is this other pregnant lady that came into the house, rocks up at the door, just this super annoying character that you can tell was getting on Mallory's, the wrong side of Mallory, um, repeatedly. (laughs) The director of this one was Suzanne Beer. Has 22 directing credits. Um, the, the popular ones on IMDb that she directed were uh, In a Better World in 2010, After the Wedding in 2006, and Love is All You Need in 2012. I have not heard of any of those films, um, but if you enjoyed this piece and want to see more of her work, check out those, um, those films that we've just mentioned there. Okay, let's talk about some scenes. This is where we talk about some scenes that stood out and some ones that possibly we didn't really enjoy too much. Some things that I, I, I liked in this one. Um, I really liked the, I guess the shock factor when Mallory walks into this house and the cast that's sort of standing around the kitchen bench. You had John Malkovich, um, B.D. Wong was there. I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a Law and Order fan and, you know, he's in Jurassic Park and things like that. Jackie Weaver's there. Um, and then also little Rel um, Howery from, from Get Out. They're all in this one room and that was a big surprise to me. I was like, this is cool. This cast is awesome. So that was that, that scene actually stood out for me for that um, reason. I guess there's one scene on the river. There's this guy that sort of jumps up on the boat and he's talking about the truth and being beautiful and needing to cleanse the world. And then Valerie just sort of like slices him up and gets him. So I enjoyed that one. Uh, I, there was a nice little dialogue scene between uh, Douglas and Mallory as well. They talk about the two different types of people. There's assholes and the dead. And I, I just liked the way that, that that conversation worked. And then um, finally, the final thing I'll talk about here is that I, I didn't think that the non-linear storytelling was really needed. These cuts between the future on the river and the past of how they got to where they were, except they did do a nice little cut twice. There was one where um, Tom had his hands on 
the baby bell and then there's this cut sorry the baby belly um and then there's this cut to the kids in the boat holding hands in a similar sort of position which was nice and then also there's one with olympia um where mallory gives her this hello kitty toy to give to her child and gifts it to her and then later on we see that this toy is in the kid's hand that mallory is now looking after so um but also you know bad times are <laughs> where they're doing this is that repetition of the same conversation from the start of the film um, through this non-linear storytelling. So a little bit of a tricky thing, but there were a couple of little bits that I took out of there and, and that will lead me into some things that I didn't really like in this one. Um, the hospital at the start, there's this lady in this red tracksuit on the phone and it was such an obvious cue for the audience that there's something going on, which we literally see moments later. You need to make something like this a surprise. And, and obviously we, we see this lady is, is one of the infected sort of people. And it, it was just too obvious that you knew something was going to happen. Um, this is Greg. He sits down and he's like, you know, I'm going to use the camera, security camera feed of the house to see if I can see anything. I thought that was really lame. Um, and I'm sure there's more context to this character in the book um, because there's these throwaway comments from Douglas about you know, um, Greg and his husband being good people. This this conversation didn't really add anything. It was like almost a throwaway effect. If you're going to have a a moment where, or like you're going to recognize that, that there's a same-sex couple, don't just make it a throwaway comment. You need to give it more context and, and more um, a bit more oomph to it. Lucy and Felix, these these two characters, I didn't talk about them in the character section, but they were useless. They didn't add anything to this story at all. Literally, there's, um, there's one scene where, Lucy's doing these stretches and Felix watches her really creepily and makes all these gross comments to her. And then the next time you see him, they're having sex. And the next time you see him, they're just running away in the car. They take the car so no one can use the car and they don't even say goodbye and you don't see them again and you don't know what happened to them. Just useless, 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 useless. I don't know why we needed them in that house at all. Um, then there's a scene where they, well, this is before they run off with the car, but there's a group of five of them that get in that car to go to the supermarket and you know they paint the windows so they can't see where they're going. And there's just these jokes of them running over and hitting bodies. And and maybe once, yeah, okay, that, it might be get you a little bit of a giggle. But this was repeated so many times. Just realistically, <laughs> led into this scene too where there's this little tiny supermarket and on one of the front ends, you know, one of these high selling point ends in a supermarket, they've got this bunch of walkie talkies, which was just too convenient to, to be realistic. Um, these gross comments between Tom and um, Mallory in the shopping, in this supermarket as well, where, you know, she's talking about her age by saying, you know, I could have been your babysitter. And his response is my hot babysitter, like gross, 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 gross. Um, a scene down the river, the, there's, the boat hits a, a big um, sort of truck or something in the water and they have to row to shore, they collect items, and that's about it. Nothing's added to the plot. It's just like an, an added little road hump that they have to get over that didn't add anything to the story. Um, this Gary dude rocks up to the house. You can tell straight away he's bad. The birds start chirping. He pulls out these random evil drawings. Just It's just so that there were more issues inside that house for them happening rather than focusing on, you know, what are these characters outside? What are they actually after? What are they doing? Um, what's happening with that that journey or that that relationship that we we can see with the kids and and Mallory somewhere else? It just wasted time on the screen. Um, what else have we got here? <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I'm going on a little bit of a tangent. Oh, on the boat, there's this real awkward and real obvious scene where Mallory's talking about they're going to get to these ra uh, rapids and one of the kids is going to have to look. Uh, and it was clear that this the boy is her biological child. And she didn't want him to have to be the one to open his eyes. And there was this sort of look on the girl that she knew that, you know, that she wanted her to be the one that had to go. And I just did not like that at all. I thought it was horrible. Um, the labor scenes, you've got both characters at the same time. 
in the same room giving birth. Like, come on. And it was so quick. And all of a sudden, Jackie Weaver's character, Cheryl, she, apparently she's a midwife um, because she helps deliver these kids. And that was just a bit, I mean, as unrealistic as this film is, that just topped it uh, for me. I, I also, there's a scene too where Mallory goes into one of the houses to get some supplies and stuff. And she rocks up with some sexy underwear and makes a bit of a, a joke about it with Tom. And then they get into an argument about, you know, um, this commune and whether they should go find it. And then she cracks it at Tom for telling this story to the kids. And all of a sudden it's just resolved by them going, finding some Pop-Tarts and letting the kids taste the strawberry flavor for the first time. And they were all good. It just didn't work. It just was so sloppy. Um, Finally, last bit, the end. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I've already said it multiple times, but the end, they, they end up getting to this sort of commune and this doctor comes up to them. The doctor right from the start when she's going for her, her birth appointments and remembers Mallory. And this is meant to be five years later. I mean, from a few appointments, she's remembered her five years on. I mean, this must be the best doctor ever. Like, I, I, it just it just topped off like what didn't need to happen at the end. Um, and I, I was very disappointed with the end. I, I did want some more from this end. Um, I wanted a surprise. I wanted a shock. I wanted something to, to give me something to think about afterwards. But realistically, this didn't. Um, and that, that leads me to talk about some themes and some ideas in this one. I mean, you've got this idea of survival, you know, the end of the world, everyone's dying. What do you do to survive? You know, do you take on teamwork and work with other people in this one little house? Do you need to show your own courage and, and be the person to step out and, and take control and, and, and lead the way or um you know what what, what, do you need to stay focused is being focused and blocking out these distractions of other people and other things the best way to to solve or or to continue your life in a a thing like this um i think that there's a lot in this as well about growing up and thinking more about others than just yourself and we see this through the the character of, of mallory um it's this idea, you know, she, she's fearing becoming a parent. This is another step in her life that she has no control over. And you can tell that, that she likes to be in control, but she has no idea what's going to happen when she has a child. Um, and she needs to be able to, to let herself go and, and account for randomness and account for other people trying to help rather than her just being this person of loneliness. And we see that in the start with her painting, but you've got to have hope to overcome this loneliness. Um, and you need to be able to connect. And sometimes in this age that we're in, there is an inability for people to connect because they're so fixated on their phones that when they actually see people in real life, they don't know how to talk to them normally. Um, I guess the last sort of thing is this us versus them mentality too. You've got the idea of the people who are uninfected and those that are affected, um, people online. And I looked at a couple of different things that you could look at this as, you know, people with mental health issues, with race, any sort of disability. And, you know, this idea that if you don't look at them and you don't take them on board, it's not going to affect you. So just blocking out the things in society that that are too hard or that people, you know, that we realistically should be helping with. Um, and at the end, you know, you've got this idea of the birds that, are, that have been in this box and they set them free because they're no longer needed. So um, just this this round sort of circle of, of needing to, to think about others more than yourself. Um, I guess taking away from this one, that the start to me was very, it felt very much like a, a current film. There were some comparisons that I made with what happened at the start and what was ha- what's happening with COVID, I guess. You know, you've got this idea that they're not worried about what's happening in this film because it's just in Europe. There's no issues here. Um, if we just remain calm, everything will be okay. And 
and and that sort of, sort of same situations happened worldwide um, throughout this pandemic, which we've we've been experiencing through 2020 and, and 2021. I guess the, the last sort of thought there too is I was hoping that at the end when they do let those birds go, um, that they were infected or something and they were just going to wipe out everyone in that room. I don't know. I just wanted something more from the end of this one. Um, IMDb. We, we use IMDb at times on this show to, to check out or look up people that we may recognize and not quite remember who they are. And I'm a bit embarrassed with this one because the character of Tom, as soon as I saw him on the screen, I was like, I've seen you before. I know you from something and I could not remember. And um, Travante Rhodes play, plays um, the, the character of Tom and he plays the character of um, Black in, in Moonlight, one of the, the, the top movies of the last few years. So um, I felt really embarrassed because I've seen uh, Moonlight a couple of times and I just could not click with who that was. I have some questions that I'm just going to ask myself realistically because there's no one here to ask them to, but um, that idea, where did Felix and Lucy, they got in that car and ran away. Where did they go? What happened to them? I would have liked to have heard some sort of um, commentary or, or concluding comment that, you know, oh, they passed them on the way out or something like that, just just to, to, to finalize their story because they just went out to the wilderness. Maybe, and I don't know what the sequel is going to cover, but maybe it's going to cover um, these two as well. And uh, the other question I want to know is, like, is this a monster? Is it a virus? What is this thing that's attacking people and why is it doing it? Where does it come from? Some sort of background that I hope may be answered in the second um, film or book if I did decide to pick up the book and give it a read. Um, the other thing too was towards the end, they, you know, they get this message to go find the people and, and they know that when they get to the rapid area of the river, they need to look. So when you start hitting the rapids, why wouldn't you just get out of the boat and walk along the the river if you know that you need to get out after the rapids just a a, a question to ponder i guess um and I, I guess that's where i'm going to wrap this one up because this one has left me with more questions than answers um it, it's almost like a poor man's version of a quiet place and i, I didn't want to make the comparison with a quiet place because obviously that's with sound instead of sight and but to me, it was almost like a cross between A Quiet Place and, and Lost, the TV show, where you've got these monsters that have no names and you don't know where they're from and what they're doing. Uh, this, this movie, it's sort of paced over five years. And, and the, the worrying thing for me is that there's little change in, in how society is going throughout those five years of what's happening, which isn't very uplifting at all. Uh, I think the cast is great in this, uh, but not much really happened, <laughs> unfortunately. And I was expecting this big payoff or some sort of twist at the end that just gave me something to sit on and go, wow, I sat through that and I, you know, I feel good after the end of that. But at the end, and I, I'm trying to stick away from saying exactly what happened, I just, it just didn't, didn't do anything for me. So I'm giving this one a two and a half out of five. I know my co-host MJ has seen this one. He's given this a three and a half out of five. So on the Flix forum, as an average, that will give us an average of a three that it'll sit there nicely on. Um, we are on social media. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. Um, feel free to follow us if you can, like our posts, comment on our posts, especially if we pop a question up. Um, for this film, I just want to know, like, if the events of this film didn't occur, um, and we see this early in the film, would, would Mallory have given up her kid for adoption because she was given that paperwork? Is that something that realistically would have happened if we weren't, um, or if they weren't facing the end of the world sort of crisis. So interesting thing to think about there. Please do subscribe to us, download as many of our episodes as we can. Huge catalog for you to check out and listen to. And we will add to that catalog again next week when we check out another 2018 film. It's the Nigerian drama called Lionheart. It's directed by Genevieve Najjar and it stars Genevieve Najjar, um, Nakem Owo, Pete Edochi, on Yeka on Wenu and Kayano O Kayano. So that is what we're looking at next week. I'm looking forward to that one. Nigerian film. I don't don't even think I've seen one to be honest. So happy to open up my eyes and broaden my horizons. 
As usual, would like to say thank you for checking this out, having a listen. If you disagree with anything I say, if you agree, please do let me know. And I will see you next week.